This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Dental Plus DSO podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Norton Travis, Chief Executive Officer for Health Dental. Norton, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. Very much appreciate being invited. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for our conversation. I know we'll talk a lot about oral health and pro health dental as well. But before we dive into my questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So I've had the good fortune of being involved in different aspects of the healthcare industry now for over 40 years. I spent the first 27 years of my career as a lawyer practicing in the healthcare field. And that goes back to a time when healthcare law was really not something that most people even realized existed and the various regulatory compliance and other issues that affected healthcare providers. So I was involved in representing on the service provider side, many, many different kinds of healthcare organizations until I decided about 15 years ago that I would go get, I guess, onto the field and off the sidelines and actually get involved in some different healthcare businesses. And since then have been involved in the oncology space uh, from on behalf of a large international healthcare uh, oncology provider, then was had the really good fortune of being able to quarterback and and build the largest proton beam center here in the New York area with a partnership of major hospitals and uh, was able to get that project off the ground. Uh, currently the most successful and busiest proton center in the world, proton beam center in the world. And then for the last six years, uh, took a, a, a fairly significant turn and was invited to come and run a startup dental organization. Um, but we really see ourselves as very different from your traditional DSO model. Ours is 100% focused on oral health and coordinating and integrating care between dental and medical providers. And we, we employ what we call a clinical affiliation model, where we essentially educate large healthcare organizations about the importance of oral health, enter into clinical affiliation agreements or partnerships with them, and then establish primarily de novo or new dental offices that are operated under their branding and their umbrella so that it essentially becomes a new service line for that organization. Uh, we currently are working with four large medical groups that collectively serve over three and a half million patients, uh, two hospital systems, and a large IPA of independent physicians. In each instance, we focus 100% on integrating medicine and dentistry as our mission and our model. So we are, we are true believers, Laura, in our mission that improving oral health will improve overall health. And uh, we, we are staying with that mission and that model as we continue to grow. Got it. That's really fascinating. You know, and I, I'm just curious, what are those conversations like when you go into 
um, talk with some of these large medical groups or medical centers, I'm sure they know to some degree and think about how essential oral health is, but just to convince them that, hey, this is something we really need to address right now and that you're the right partners. What do those conversations look like? That's a great question. Um, I wish I could be in full agreement with you that they are as knowledgeable about the importance of oral health as you and I might hope, but that's frequently not the case. Uh, the chasm between medicine and dentistry has existed forever. Uh, if you even go back and look at the dental schools, the medical schools, other than a small handful, most simply on the medical school side, don't really deal with the mouth at all. And on the dental side, don't deal with the rest of the body. So we are re-educating or educating uh, for the first time, a lot of individuals who just simply aren't oriented to this. I think it's also that so much of the oral health literature up until a few years ago was appearing almost exclusively in the dental journals and not in the medical journals. It was candidly hard for us to get their attention because it was viewed as a dental issue and not a medical issue. Uh, things have changed dramatically in the last few years in terms of the recognition of poor oral health as a contributing, whether causative or, 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 or in correlative uh, factor in so many serious medical conditions that that's helped open the door to having a more receptive audience on this issue. But it's, we still have a ways to go. There's no question that we need to take the issue to them. Uh, and we know that they have many, many priorities and that oral health generally is just not on their radar screen. You know, they're focused on more traditional medical service lines. And we also have to deal with the reality that certainly as of last year, uh, it wasn't just dentistry that was hit hard by COVID. It was the medical groups and organizations as well. And they had to focus on their core services and resurrect their core services. So you know, that was, to say the least, not a helpful factor for us to continue to spread the oral health message. But we, we're doing much, much better. We have, as I said, a far more receptive audience right now, and our model continues to grow. And, and you know, right now, we're, we're focused on the metropolitan New York area and, and the suburban uh, New York, New Jersey markets, but it is clearly our intention to take this model and really view what we're doing as a proof of concept, take our model on a regional and, and ultimately national basis. That's really great to hear. Now, how does oral health link to a person's overall health? I know you talked a little bit about that and, you know, um, but I'm wondering what have you found and in, in really how can it make a difference to have a great um, oral health when you're thinking about somebody's overall quality of life? Well, in a certain sense, oral, uh, uh, Laura, our, our, our timing, is is pretty perfect here because just last week the NIH 
issued a, re a long-awaited report entitled Oral Health in America, and it was a follow-up to the Surgeon General's report that was issued, believe it or not, 20 years ago on the same subject. And so all one need do is to look at the NIH report, and it can pretty comprehensively answer that question that it notes that, first of all, that there have been some, but not at the level that should have occurred, meaningful improvements on oral health across the different populations in the United States. And it focuses significantly on all of the research and correlated medical conditions that have now been documented resulting from poor oral health. And, and actually, again, in terms of good timing, just a study also just came out of the UK where there were 65,000 uh, uh, cohorts of patients with uh, what they call gum disease or periodontal disease and came out with enormous findings about how it impacted significant healthcare conditions such as hypertension, heart disease, pulmonary disease, Alzheimer's disease, even certain cancers. So the, I think at this point, there is no question that the, the documentation, and again, fortunately now, not just in the dental journals, but in the medical journals as well, there is a clear and, and, and incontrovertible link between poor oral health and serious healthcare conditions. Now the question is, what are we going to do about it? Uh, and, and because a lot of this, Laura, is, is we need to change the mindset of why people go to the dentist. You know, historically and, and, and primarily today, people go to the dentist either because something hurts or because of a cosmetic issue, or maybe they know that it's good to get your teeth cleaned every six months. But I don't believe that even a, even a small portion of the population believes I'm going to go to the dentist because I want to stay healthier, overall healthier. They like like what we've been dealing with for decades, going to the dentist is limited to what's going on in your mouth. We are changing that mindset. Uh, our, our hygiene visits or, or preventative care visits, as we call them, are really wellness visits. Uh, besides the traditional hygiene that you would get at any dentist's office, we're also doing many medical screenings, including blood pressure screenings, uh, EKG screenings, uh, sleep disorder screenings, of course, oral health screenings. And every patient that is part of ProHealth Dental leaves with a customized report entitled Oral Health Assessment. And it tells you what your, how your medical condition is going to be impacted by your, your oral health condition. And we then share those reports with both the patient and the patient's primary care physician so that we can get the communication and the dialogue going with their PCPs about the importance of oral health. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but you know, I, I, 
I have to plead guilty, Laura. I, I've been I've been preaching this mission now for the last six years. I'm a true believer in why oral health is so important. But again, if you look at the NIH study and the recent UK study and, and other trade clinical noted clinical journals, you're going to see that at this point we can't ignore the fact that poor oral health is a contributor to many significant disease conditions. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And I know we covered that report as well, obviously, at Becker's and, you know, definitely eye-opening to see some of the connections that they were able to make there. And obviously very important to have maintained great oral health. Um, when you think about that messaging, not only for the healthcare providers or people in the medical field, but the general population, what should, do you think that should look like? Is there anything you found um, particularly effective in sharing that message with people and getting people, I don't know if excited is the right word, but motivated to get into the um, dental office and just make sure they are um, maintaining their oral health in a way that's good for them? Yeah, well, I mean, we start out with, besides the, the, the significant resources that we devote to patient education, both directly to the public and through our clinical affiliates, millions of patients, we start out with our tagline, which is to put your health where your mouth is. And, and it does resonate. Uh, and, and we then have public service infomercials uh, on local cable TV that focuses on the importance of oral health. And, and I think that if, there, if we ever wanted to look for a silver lining in a pandemic, which, which of course is something we all wish had never occurred, I think that the focus on health, being healthy, taking care of one's family, uh, and, and you know, doing everything you can to just avoid getting sick, avoid getting serious diseases. I think that this is a, a, a serious focus across every age group. Clearly, we know with young parents and the millennial population, it's, it's a hugely important issue. So what we're actually finding, Laura, is that you know, a, the concept of a holistic approach to oral health, you know, holistic medicine, if you will, sort of used to play to mixed audiences uh, as, you know, being, being considered like alternative medicine. And that's not what we have in mind. For us, holistic means looking at the entire body, looking at coming to the dentist as a healthcare visit, not as a dental visit. So we think that that, that messaging and, and you need a lot of tools. You need the taglines and you need the public education. And we just think that people, when, we, when they come in and get into the hygienist chair with us, and next thing you know, we're taking their blood pressure and their EKGs and we're, and, and we're screening them for sleep disorders and the like, it gives us the opportunity to spread the message, which is, you know, because we get a lot of, geez, doc or whoever the hygienist may be, you know, why are we doing this? And it sort of creates the fat pitch, if you will, to say, because our goal here is to keep your mouth and your body healthy. So I think that, that 
there's a lot of tools that we use to do that. And I think the message is resonating. It's not going to happen overnight. We're fighting many, many years of, as I said, a, a chasm between medicine and dentistry. We are finding through our clinical affiliations, what I'll call our oral health champions who really believe in this. And you don't need, even in a large group of 500 or a thousand physicians, one, one good spokesperson is all you really need to, to make that change. And so, you know, our ultimate goal here is for healthcare organizations to view oral health as a primary care service, not as dentistry. That's a really great point. You know, I love that kind of thought process and mindset. Um, now, before we wrap up our conversation today, I was wondering, could you tell me a little bit about any initiatives that you have planned for 2022 for ProHealth Dental? Sure, sure. Well, you know, as I had mentioned, the the latter part of 2020 and even going into early 2021, you know, we were a little hamstrung on our ability to expand our clinical affiliations because we had to be respectful of those organizations need to recover themselves from COVID. We, uh, we are hopeful, despite the current surge, we are hopeful that that's behind us and we're seeing significant buy-in to this model. Uh, we just recently, for example, announced that Catholic Health, which is a large healthcare system on Long Island uh, that, that has six hospitals, 20 plus ambulatory care facilities, I think close to 5,000 affiliated physicians serving millions of patients has signed up with us. And so our our focus in early uh, uh, 2022 is to build out our network be, and add more offices to meet the needs of their patients as their preferred dental provider and to implement our clinical affiliation and integrated care model. You know, what we do without telling too many trade secrets, hopefully, or is we, we build offices where our clinical affiliates see patients by looking at the demographics of where they have the highest concentration of patients and primary care services, that's where we wanna be. So that we have the closest possible link between their primary care services and our oral health services. So 2022 is gonna be a, a significant growth year for us. Um, you know, we are very, we're, we're in a very deliberate growth model. Uh, unlike most DSOs, which we, we don't really see ourselves as one, but, I, but, but we have many attributes, I suppose, uh, is we generally do not buy practices. We build de novo offices and grow those offices around our clinical affiliations. So I expect that we will add at least eight to 10 more locations to meet the needs of our clinical affiliates and the public. I mean, we don't just serve them, we serve the public at large as well in those areas, but I, I, would, I would expect that we would be adding close to one office a month going into next year. And we are in discussions on one or two other major clinical affiliations with large healthcare organizations that, that is the foundation of our model. So, we're looking to a big year coming into 2022 
we're all keeping our fingers crossed that COVID will remain under control and not be a detriment. But I think that it's going to be a, a, a big year for ProHealth Dental. That's really impressive to think about, you know, that many new offices and, and being able to expand so much in the next year. Norton, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks, Laura. My pleasure and happy, healthy new year to you.